The Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast is sponsored by Prairie Care. You know, going through the process of getting help with your mental health can be very overwhelming. I definitely know that from firsthand experience. Prairie Care can help guide you through it and get you in touch with the help that you need. They've been offering mental health services to all ages in the Twin Cities of Minnesota since 2005. Whether you're looking for clinical services, a specialty outpatient program, or a more intensive level of care like inpatient treatment, Prairie Care has you and your family covered. Visit prairie-care.com to learn more. That's prairie-care.com. Hello there, my friends. So glad you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome into another episode of the Take What Serves, Leave the Rest podcast. Great to have you here. Always, always, always holding space for whatever you are walking into this space with, no matter how you're feeling today, what's going on in your life over there, we're just going to take a nice deep breath and arrive together collectively and looking forward to, to spending this time here with each and every one of you. On the episode today, talking to Lindsay Gensel. And Lindsay is an award-winning radio journalist and producer working at WCCO Radio and Minnesota Public Radio in the past here in the Twin Cities. She is also a mental health advocate and host of the ADHD Online weekly podcast, which is called Refocused with Lindsay Gensel. And Lindsay is, is sharing her story with us today which I am so grateful for. Uh, she was diagnosed with ADHD a few years ago uh, in her mid-30s and has been very open about that, had really done a lot of work on that in her life, had gotten to a pretty good place with it, and, and then recently was diagnosed um, with an incurable rare muscle disease called myositis. And so today, um, Lindsay is sharing her journey uh, of what it's been like maneuvering both of these things in her life, um, what it's teaching her about life, what helps her maneuver it day in and day out, and and much more. And so I really, really hope that there's something in this, my friends, that you can take with you that serves you moving forward. Um, as always, take what serves you and just go ahead and leave the rest. And so, um, so grateful. So grateful to sit down and have this conversation with Lindsay and um, sending love to each and every one of you out there. Be gentle with you. And, and here we go. My, my chat with Lindsay Gensel. Lindsay, welcome in. Thank you so much for it having is, me. It is so awesome. I, I just kind of broke the broadcasting rule where I just asked you all these questions before we actually started recording. So I already feel like I have a an understanding of, of where you're at on this whole journey called life. It is the broadcasting rule. I and know. I used to have to scold people because you would, as a producer, I'd get guests into the studio yep. and they would start talking and you know, yep. throwing things around. I was like, stop, 
stop. stop. We need to wait. We need to hit record. Yes. And just dive in. Yes. I'm confident that we'll be able to get back to we'll it. Get, we'll get back to it. Um, yeah, we were kind of, it was interesting when you walked in and we saw each other today. It's so true. I feel like I kind of, like, like we should know each other yes. just based on kind of our backgrounds. Yes. And I know we have a lot of people um, that we know in, in common, but um, it's cool to be connecting with somebody who background in broadcast journalism, now doing all this work kind of in the mental health space. And, and I know it's like such a hard thing to describe sometimes like your mental health story and kind of how you've like landed at this place of doing this work. Um, starting specifically with the work that you're doing around um, ADHD. I know you were just diagnosed a couple of a few years ago with that. Yes. Um, what do you like to share about that process with people? Well, I think it's great that you said it's interesting to hear people's mental health stories because yeah. mine completely changed when I was diagnosed with ADHD. So yeah. like so many people, I struggled with anxiety and depression, disordered eating, yeah. feeling really terrible about myself, my body, my entire life. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of my earliest memories are feeling really bad about myself. Mm. And then I was diagnosed with ADHD. And how I describe it is if uh, you could go back to the blockbuster of, I believe, 96, 97, Mm. Independence Day. Yeah. How I view my ADHD. So, you know, the movie starts and there's all these spaceships coming down and they're trying to attack them individually and nothing is working. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not until Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith go up into the big mothership and they put the virus inside it and it's able to take down the walls of all of these little spaceships that are all over the world and Mm. then you're able to kind of take them down. Yeah. We all know the story. If you haven't seen Independence Day by now, I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. It's it's such a good one. I almost like forgot about that movie until this moment. It it stands. It definitely stands. That's how I view all of the stuff that I've dealt with my entire life. Everything was tied back to ADHD. And the second that I knew about it and I could start treating it properly, and that's a whole other story, all of the other stuff honestly kind of fell away Mm. and started to become less dominant in my life. And it has been the biggest gift Mm-hmm. to know why certain things happen, to know why I'm, oh God, predisposed to certain things, yeah. to kind of have just a glimpse into what my brain is like, yeah. and then to know that some of the things I was struggling with are much more manageable if I am taking care of myself and taking care of my ADHD. Yeah. And you were, and you were diagnosed just before you turned 35, um, what led to that diagnosis? Impulsivity. Yeah. Tru- truly. Yeah. Uh, we all right now are talking about this great influx from the pandemic of people getting to view themselves in a different light. Yeah. Our lives were turned upside down. And for a lot of people that meant seeing themselves in a different light. Mm-hmm. For me, I wasn't working the place I was working at the time. I was actually working at a restaurant on a uh, Lake Minnetonka, popular restaurant. Mm -hmm. And 
like so many places across the country, we shut down in March and we reopened for the summer and then we shut down again when things got cold and COVID numbers were rising. And it was January of 2021. I was sitting at home on my couch in the midst of kind of trying to figure out what I was going to do next. I think I had been doing some TV segments from home for a couple Mm -hmm. of stations in town and I was on my computer and there was a tweet about, uh, there was a tweet that tied ADHD and the gifted and talented kids together. Mm. And it was basically like, if you were a gifted and talented kid with anxiety and too much going on, what are the odds that you have undiagnosed ADHD or something mm. along those lines? And I had a very, very outdated view of ADHD. Yeah. My view was what I knew in school. And it was mostly from elementary school. And it was the kids who had ADD, because at the time, that was what the DSM was calling it, ADD. There was no ADHD. Mm-hmm. The kids who had ADD, and I hate saying this, you looked at them as dumb. They were mostly white boys. I'm from a predominantly white community, so there really was no diversity in our mm-hmm. school anyway. But they were the kids who didn't get good grades. They were the boys who got in trouble, the boys who got sent home to the hallway. And that wasn't me at mm-hmm. all. And I say all of this now, I have such a better understanding of how ADHD shows up in people's lives. And I know that that is just just a very outdated stereotype, but it was yeah. how I viewed it. Yeah. But in that moment, in that impulsivity, in having insurance, I called my clinic and I just said, hey, I, I'd like to speak to somebody about ADHD. And the woman on the phone didn't even hesitate for a second. She said, all right, what clinic would you like to go to? She looked it up and she goes, would you like to come in this afternoon? Wow. And I was like, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, sure. sure. Well, let's do this. You know, yeah. it's kind of like, I don't have tattoos, but I imagine like the first time you get a tattoo, you call and you're like, no, I just need to do it now. Like, yeah. The impulsivity. Yeah. The, the window is open. Yes. We have to step in. Exactly. And so I went in and I had a conversation with a nurse practitioner and that led to her uh, pushing for a consult with a psychologist. And we had a great conversation and a week later I went back in and they said, yep, you have combined type ADHD. So Mm -hmm. very much leaning towards the inattentive with some of the hyperactive Mm -hmm. and I remember the nurse practitioner who was amazing and so thoughtful and really knew a lot about ADHD, which I was really, really impressed by because that's not the case for a lot of physicians right now, unfortunately. But she was so kind. And I remember her saying, what would you like to do now? And up until this point, I had been on so many different rounds of SSRIs, you know, trying to manage my anxiety and trying to help with the depression and the disordered eating. Mm -hmm. And we had talked about that. And she said, you know, did you ever feel like they were helping? And it was kind of that thing where it's like, well, no, but everyone just tells you to keep waiting, you know, like to Mm -hmm. keep waiting for it to work. Mm -hmm. And I told her that and she goes, well, why don't we talk about stimulant medications, which is one of the most common and most documented ways to actually help people with ADHD. Now it's not for everyone. I totally understand that. Some people don't love the idea of being on stimulants. For me, it was a game changer. And she wrote me a prescription for Vyvanse, which was, uh, still is a, you know, a slower release. So I wasn't having crashes and and we talked through what I would feel Mm -hmm. started off the smallest amount. 
And I took my first pill that next day and it was about 2 p.m. And I was sitting in a home goods parking lot and I had a clear brain for the first time in my entire life. Gosh, yeah. And just the other day, I was thinking back to school. I was a, uh, I worked for one of my classes in the elementary school, helping in the different classrooms. And I remember how much I loved it because kids that age are just so excited for new adults to be in the room. Yeah. But I had this flashback of just like head nodding through the day, every Mm -hmm. day, couldn't make it 2 p.m., 3 p.m. I couldn't make it when I was producing news. The show I was on uh, producing was noon to three and I'd get to my desk at 3.30 and the head nods would start. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter how much sleep I got at night. And for the last, oh gosh, however many months it's been since January of 2021, mm-hmm. it has been rare that I have had a day where I have not been clear headed from start to wow. finish. And I get to live the rest of my life like that. Yep. It's very easy to look back and go, the what ifs. Sure. What if my 20s had been that clear? What if my 20s had felt that way? Yeah. What if my teen years had felt that way? So much of that. And it's very easy. It could be very easy to sit in that. But it does us no good. It's the mm-hmm. rocking chair that goes nowhere. Yeah. And so I focus on the future. I understand I don't have a full understanding, let's be honest, but I have a better understanding of how my brain works and what works for me and what doesn't work for me. And man, that impulsivity to just call and make that appointment. Yeah. Because it it wasn't something I had been thinking about. I Mm -hmm. hadn't been ruminating on ADHD for months, Mm -hmm. avoiding the phone call. It was literally like, I saw this tweet, dots connected in my brain, I made the phone call and- Thank goodness. Like sometimes you just have to trust your intuition. And I didn't think about that in the moment. It it didn't feel that way. But now it really does feel like the answer was sitting in front of me and I just needed someone else to see it. Yeah. Oh, and and to hear you talk about like that moment of feeling clear headed for the first time, you know, I, in, in my own experience struggling, you know, kind of along my path, um, I think when you struggle with mental health or, you know, identify with being like neurodivergent, um, you almost start to think this is just how everybody experiences life. Like, Oh, this is just life. And yet those moments where it's kind of like, Oh, I'm actually kind of dealing with something here. That's a little bit above and beyond everybody else. I would imagine that moment kind of drove that home for you. Like, Oh, I've been walking around for a lot of my life with this, thing going on and how my brain works that is hard my gosh like talk about a a moment of validation absolutely you know man look at what you maneuvered and I have been as open as I can be I think sometimes it makes people uncomfortable because I just I don't have a filter you know I view what I have gone through if I can say one thing that will connect for someone and they can have their own moment of clarity Mm -hmm. but I've been so open with people closest to me and one of my nearest and dearest as I explain things or I talk about things or she listens to the podcast that I host which is about ADHD and she doesn't have ADHD but she's an educator so she's really into learning as much as she can she'll come back to me and say I know why you did this this one time now Mm. I know Mm -hmm. why this bothered you I know why this was something that was really hard for you And that has been so wonderful to be able to kind of shed light on why we make decisions 
And it's also, I think, made me more of an empathetic person. I definitely was kind of a highly sensitive person before my diagnosis, but I have a better understanding of kind of the rhyme and reason to why people behave the way they do. And yeah, it's just opened up so many avenues that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. But it's still, you know, every day is a, is a work in progress. And and again, I know it's hard to like go back and summarize all this stuff, but are, are there, are there particular symptoms that you look back on and you go, Oh my gosh, that was ADHD. Like were, were there common symptoms that you were experiencing that you're like now kind of putting the dots together? Yes. Very much bit? so. Very much being so excited to start things, not being able to man- maintain that energy level throughout a project. Yeah. And then the mass chaos to get something done right before it was due Mm. and at the time you know you're in high school and that was really kind of where it was the wheels were falling off to begin with because it's that first time in your life where you get a little freedom you get Mm -hmm. to start picking your classes a little bit more you may have free breaks you may have you know um, classes where you go outside of the school that sort of thing yeah and for me it was I was always a great student but I had no, I had no understanding of what executive functioning was. I don't even think the words had ever been spoken around me. Mm-hmm. And because I was confident and I could communicate with teachers and I turned stuff in on time, they didn't know that the last 24 hours yeah, had just been a chaos. You know, chaos yes. Yeah. I would say that that was probably one of the biggest things. The other one for me, and I think the more we're learning about neurodiversity and how it can show up for a person, the inattentive side. So rejection sensitive dysphoria right now is something that um, Dr. William Dodson, who's one of the like most respected researchers on ADHD is looking into. And it's not something that's included in the DSM. Hmm. Keeping in mind, the DSM is just like a small sliver of, yep. of what we know. And it's more on the di- diagnostic side of things for you know healthcare providers. Yeah. So rejection-sensitive dysphoria is not a full definition, but I'll explain it from my terms, is like being able to walk into a room and feel like no one wants you there. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what energy you're feeding off of, if it's energy in the room, it's, if it's energy you're creating, you all of a sudden, you feel like every single person doesn't want you there. Mm-hmm. And you can't connect with those people and you can't get out of your own way to do it. And that was really detrimental as a, a teenager with making friends. Yeah. I constantly was battling that as an adult, even with some of my closest friends. Yeah. I have just always felt like an outsider. Mm-hmm. I have felt like I'm not welcome. No one wants me here. Mm-hmm. It's something that has held me back in friendships, relationships, jobs, yeah. you name it. Yeah. And so that would be kind of the other big one that that stood out. And is, are they finding that that's common with ADHD? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And of course, you know, I think we think in 2023, we know so much and we know so little right. when it comes to psychology and it comes to the human brain and it comes to, I mean, we can start talking about nature versus nurture. You yep. have ADHD. Well, what happens when you're raised in a house where you are praised every day? Yeah. 
and supported and what happens when you're in a house where you're not and where you go to school matters and all of those things. And it's just, it's layers and you have to peel those away to kind of get to the, the root of it. It's like everybody has their own little cocktail of mental health symptoms, right? Absolutely. It's unique to them. Yes. And yet the common threads of things like diagnoses like ADHD or whatever it might be to help people understand, oh, there's this kind of thread going through my my particular story yes. that can help me understand how my brain works a little bit more. Yeah. And I think, you know, the biggest one for me, and it's probably the hardest one to address, and it's the one that I probably need to address the most, is risk-seeking behaviors that I had in my teens and my 20s. And I can look back now and go, oh, that was the dopamine rush I was chasing. Mm-hmm. And it was a vicious cycle. You know, my my 20s, I was, at that time, I was failing out of college. I was lying to my parents about it. And at the same time, I was still going out every night. And everyone was like, well, how does that happen? And it's like, well, when you wake up feeling terrible about yourself mm-hmm. and your life is falling apart and you can't be honest to anyone about it because you are so ashamed of where you are, but you have a good group of friends and they're going out on Friday night and you're going to put on a cute outfit and you're going to go and dance. And, oh gosh, you might talk to a boy that you think is cute. And that dopamine rush of that night is going to get you to the next morning. But what's going to happen is because you don't know that you have ADHD, you're going to drink too much. And the next morning you're going to feel terrible because you have a hangover. Mm. And so you're going to be at rock bottom again. And what is your brain going to tell you to do? It's going to tell you to seek that dopamine again. So what are you going to do? You are going to nurse your hangover. You are going to get it together and you're going to go and do it again the next night. And I know it sounds so irresponsible when I say it, but at the same time, I held down jobs. I held mm. down internships. I was a, you know, I was a live-in nanny at one time. Like the masking I was doing because I was so ashamed of what I was hiding, and I just could keep keep it going. And it it, it wasn't until like I'm with my partner now. It wasn't until meeting him that you know, the wheels came off because I met someone who finally was like, uh, what's, what's going on here? Mm. And obviously we, we've been together, you know, over eight years. So that was long before my ADHD diagnosis, like way long before. But yeah, I would say, you know, that stuff and on a much, you know, lesser scale of severity, being terrible with money. Mm. Yeah. Why couldn't someone have made saving money sexy? <laughs> Why couldn't we? It really is like yeah. someone out there who is smart with money, figure out a way to make it sexy yeah. and get that dopamine rush from that because. Whew, I man. know. And simple. Yes. Can it just be simple? Yes. Sit down and try to do taxes. And I'm like, they're trying to solve saving the, the calculus. Money? What? Yeah. What, what, what's that? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and thanks for sharing all that. I, I, um, and, and I, I can't help but think, too, that think of all the people who um, tuned into WCCO radio or saw you on TV, and here's this presentation of somebody who has it all together and, you know, has the perfect life and is on and is doing her thing. And um, when the reality is that might not have been the case internally in those moments. And I, I just identify with that so much through my own story because I working in, in front of the camera. It's incredible how good we get at covering up the struggle. Oh, yeah. And I also think, too, we're at a different place. You know, yeah. I left 
traditional news full time in like 2018, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. 2018, 2019, right before the pandemic. I have done some stuff on like a, you know, temporary freelance basis for other news organizations since then. But like my full time job, I left before then. And I feel like we're at such a better place right now about people being open and honest in just that short time. And I really think the pandemic helped change that is so many of us for the first time were forced to come to terms with what we were dealing with. And the internet is a great place. It can be a terrible place, but I will say one of the places that I think it is benefiting us is getting to hear other people's stories. And like for me, I wouldn't have impulsively called to make an ADHD appointment back in January of 2021 had I not seen that tweet. And I'm sure people reach out to you as well and say, had you not opened up about this or had I not seen this? We all have those moments of like clarity and, you know, the puzzle coming together. And again, at the same time, it's just like it's a it's a learning process to be comfortable with it. Um, I want to move into other parts of your story here too, but I, I do have just like one other question around like ADHD. Cause I know a lot of people listening to this now are, especially if you live with an anxious mind, right? You're like trying to self-diagnose yourself. Oh my gosh, maybe I have ADHD. And you know, I, I know how that works when oh, you yes. sit and listen to a podcast. Um, a couple things. Are there, are there things that you have learned maybe about the kind of the, the most common myth that's going on out there around ADD, ADHD, like that, that people need to understand you think about it and how do people go through the process of seeking out if they feel like they're struggling with this? Have you, I know you've, you've really dove into this. And so I'm curious if there's anything you would want to share around that. I think the biggest one is people think they have to be hyperactive. They think they have to be a person that's bouncing off the wall And that is so not the case. The more we're learning about inattentive ADHD and how it can show up, it's not always the person in the room who is speaking the loudest, yelling the loudest, clanging and banging on drums to get attention. You know, it's really that outdated stereotype. And I think the one thing that I would love people to know and be more aware of is how masking plays a role, Mm. especially for women. I think it's so important for us to kind of be able to take a step back and look at ourselves critically but constructively and to see where we might be struggling. And I think the most that I've, you know, the most common thing that people share with me is like, I had so many balls up in the air Mm -hmm. and I couldn't figure out why they were all there or what they were all doing. And again, it also ties into what was your life like? What is your life like now? How is your support system? All of those things. But I think the first step is having a conversation with a mental health professional. And that can start with your nurse practitioner, your primary care provider. It does not need to be, oh, I'm going to wait six months to, you know, speak to a psychologist. Your next appointment that you go in for your physical to to have the moles on your back checked, whatever it is, if you're in front of, you know, a provider, bring it up, just say, Hey, these are some things that I've been thinking about recently. I would love to talk with someone. And now I'm going to warn you that you're going to fill out some forms that are going to make you feel terrible about Mm -hmm. yourself. Uh, the, the GAD seven and the PHQ. Uh, and it, it, it basically just kind of takes a, a snapshot of where you are. And it can be hard to figure to fill out 
because you just, yeah, it makes you feel a little worthless Yeah, and it makes you go, Oh my God, in the last two weeks, how many times have I felt this way? Yeah. But the first conversation is the hardest. And if you're lucky, knock on wood, you'll find someone who is open-minded and kind and will help you find the right person to talk to, but you can't do that alone. And here's where I also, you know, I, again, the internet, a great place, totally a place to find support, to find the people to help you make those phone calls, to encourage you, but do not go through, you know, an influencer you follow to self-diagnose. Self-diagnosing is great. If it provides you with the, the tools and the resources you need to make life a little bit better. But at the same time, like find somebody who has gone to school for this, who's been trained in this. The more we are talking about ADHD, the more I'm hearing about, you know, mental health providers going back for training that they're not getting enough in school. So they're seeking out more resources. And that is like, the best news ever. I want to I want to pivot a little bit. So you, you you go through the 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 experience of getting the ADHD diagnosis in 2000 2021 2000 not 2000 that'd be a really long time ago. Yeah, we could yeah, go back. Yeah, we're going way back. Yeah. Um and then just recently, another diagnosis that that you've been been maneuvering. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been crazy. And this is kind of my first time talking about it publicly. I talk about it on the podcast, but yeah, uh, in January again, January of 2023, I went on a hike with my partner. We were down in Sedona, and I took a couple of cactus spines to the leg. And about two or three days later, I had really severe discoloration on my leg, and it was swelling and you know, posted about it on Instagram as mm-hmm. we all do. And actually was very lucky that a college friend of mine, Sarah, who's a emergency room doctor in the Phoenix area, sent mm-hmm. me a message and said, I, I think you need to go in. I think it's cellulitis. And I was like, okay. And, you know, looked online. It's just an infection. We'll look at antibiotics and, and life will go on, except for it didn't. It just continued to get worse. And we came back to Minnesota and I spent the month of February on our couch I couldn't dress myself. Mm. I couldn't wear anything in my closet because my leg was so swollen. The swelling in my leg moved up to my face. I would wake up in the morning and I'd have this like distorted, I kind of call it like if a real housewife just got injections, then got stung by a bunch of bees. No one could give me answers. I went to the emergency room so many times and I got sent home every time being told everything is fine. And long story short, in March, that was January 11th, in early March, my uh, autoimmune test came back. And I have the anti-JL1 autoimmune antibody. And Mm. that creates three different types of diseases. Those don't matter. One of them I can't even pronounce. But essentially, I was diagnosed with an incredibly rare muscle disease where this crazy little antibody is eating my muscle, my healthy Mm. muscle, killing Mm. it off. And that would explain why I I couldn't dress myself. I couldn't put my arms through shirts by myself. I couldn't put socks on by by myself. Mm. I was struggling to walk upstairs. It was 
the most overwhelming, terrifying thing. And and before we had answers, I Googled yeah. like an idiot. Uh, I Googled. It's a scary place. I was, it? it is a terrible place. But when yeah. you, you'd have no answers. I mean, I was, I was emailing cactus researchers yeah. and, and showing them photos and being like, could this be tied to something in the cactus? Well, long story short, the cactus infection is just what set it off. It okay. could have been anything. Okay. And that was what got the fire stoked and yeah. sent me on this flare up and... Fast forward now, you know, it's only been six months. I say fast forward now. Yeah. The six months I go through sometimes the photos in my phone and I'm like, what did we go through? Like, yeah. how did we go through all of this? So like, I have an incurable disease that affects my muscles, my skin, my lungs, my hands, my hair, my liver. Mm. There's chances my voice will change. So mm. as someone who produces a podcast and uses her voice every day, I'm like, oh. yeah. And it is so overwhelming. And most days I go, whose life is this? What happened? Yeah. And I think the really hard part is, and I go back to that friend of mine, who so kindly points out, I understand why you did this. She said the kindest thing to me. She said, I really feel for you because I know how hard you have been working on changing some of the things that bother you about your ADHD. Yeah. And then this comes along. And it's true. I had been busting my butt. Mm-hmm. I had finally felt like I was to a point where I was going to be doing what I wanted every day. And life got kind of pulled out from under me. And I can function now. I've gone through four rounds of treatment. I have three left for the plan that they have me on. But you live a different life after you've been diagnosed with something that will be with you forever and can come back anytime it wants. And an infection of any kind can be the, you know, the thorn in your side to another flare up. Mm -hmm. And then of course, going back to the ADHD, it's like, it's more balls to have up in the air. So not only are you now working against your own brain, you're working against the healthcare system and advocating for yourself and, there are so few people who are well-versed in this because of how rare it is. And like, here's the thing. I love being the center of attention. Like, mm. I joke I became what I am, like a journalist, because I don't really have any other skills, but I love entertaining people. And so it kind of just felt like this yeah. natural progression. And so like, yeah, I'm I'm all about being in the spotlight. This is a little much. Like, yeah. having this rare disease that is really terrifying. And unfortunately, you know, because it is so rare, the stories and the research and the, you know, patient documentation that's online is terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying. Uh, but so the, the family of diseases that I have, it's under the myositis family, which is just myositis basically means muscle inflammation. And it's, it's been a trip. But just the other day, I had this moment where I was really happy and calm and things felt good. 
and I wasn't feeling too much pain in any part of my body. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment where I went, you know, two months ago I could barely dress myself and yeah. like, look how far we've come. Yeah. And you just kind of have to take it day by day. Totally. And don't you think too, we have to like let ourselves really absorb those kind of moments in life where things feel good, even if it's just for five seconds. Right. And then if I know a lot of people listening to this, living with mental health struggles, whatever it might be, um, the fixation is often so much on the struggle of it all. And rightfully so, you know, it's really tough managing, you know, all the, all that we experience. And yet I've also tried to remind myself too, like, those moments where things feel light and things feel there's, there's some, some pockets of joy. And even again, even if it, sometimes it's, sometimes you get 10 seconds of that in a day and you just, it's like, it, you know, I think it's, it's important to like also let ourselves feel those things and be present for those moments too. Absolutely. The other day I was talking about in, in couples therapy, which we had started long before this started. And thank goodness, because we were in the best place we could be when this hit. Because the thing about being chronically ill is it doesn't just affect you. Right. It affects every single person around you, especially those that are living with you. And, you know, my partner got a crash course in being a caregiver yeah. for those, those months where I couldn't dress myself. There was one afternoon where I took a bath at home alone and almost couldn't get myself out of the tub and I had mm. to call him and go, all right, so we won't be doing that anymore. Yeah. You know, like that's Lesson not happening. Learned. Yeah. But we were talking about how I haven't had time to have a woe is me moment. You know, I, I work for myself. I haven't taken any time off since this started. I've oh. worked through all of this and it's been a great distraction, but I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted from all of these balls that are up in the air and some of them are balls I don't want. I don't yeah. want to be calling my rheumatologist and trying to figure out what my health insurance system is and do I need to start talking to somebody now about you know the American Disabilities Act because most people I know who have what I have are in wheelchairs now I mean it is it is so astronomical but we were talking about this woe is me day and and my my partner John and our therapist were like you're like what would what would it look like for you and John was like comfy pants and I was like hell no a party I was mm. like I want a rager I want like the equivalent of like a bachelorette party where everyone's like oh what's the celebration and I get to be like <laughs> I got diagnosed with a really rare disease and they're like okay cool and like we just like go on with Ooh, the yeah. night because the woe is me is not going to do me any good and like mm. I was at a really good place in life and I don't want to backtrack at all yeah but going back to your like settling into those calm moments and, and being happy and, and and thriving in them is the one thing that has helped so much is all, I won't say all, but a lot of the insecurities that I can see coming from my ADHD that are holding me back, that are stopping me from pursuing the things I want. When you get diagnosed with something where it's literally like your life gets turned upside down, most of those go out the window. Yeah. Like the radical acceptance that you have to have of going like, oh, this is the only life we get. And yeah. how are you going to use these moments? And like, I it, I don't have the energy for anything other than this is the life I want and this is the life I'm going to live. And mm-hmm. it's just a lot. You know, like I didn't 
get my ADHD diagnosis and think like, oh, I'm going to become a resource for people with ADHD. And that happened. And then I got this diagnosis. And literally within like the first three days, I told everyone like, don't worry, I'm not starting a podcast. Don't worry, I'm not doing this. (laughs) And at the same time, like I've been sharing as much of my journey on on social media as I can. And people reach out because it is so rare. And so you you see the hashtag myositis and you see people and you're like, oh my God, there's somebody my age. There's, I didn't know you existed, you know? And it's, it's just a lot. Yep. Good and bad. Yep. Um, well, and I think, I think there's a lot of power in taking what we're struggling with and kind of funneling it into something that can give it some purpose, right? Through you doing the podcast, you sharing it on social media. I think there's a lot of, a lot of power in that. Um, I'm curious what, what, What's this teaching you about life right now? (laughs) Oh, man. It's teaching me to be more thoughtful before committing to things. I am a people pleaser. I have tied so much of my self-worth to what I can do for other people, what I can accomplish for other people, what other people think of me. A lot of that tied with the ADHD, going back with the rejection-sensitive dysphoria, And it's giving me an out to say no, and I'm taking full advantage of it. And it was a hard lesson to learn because when it all started, I had so many things that were going on. And Mm -hmm. I tried to make a lot of them happen because I didn't want, one, to disappoint people. And two, there's this feeling when you have something that people don't understand And also for me right now, it's pretty invisible. Back in February, I'll show you some photos Mm -hmm. because it it was like couldn't leave the house Mm. bad. When you have an invisible disease, people look at you and they go, well, you're not sick. Why can't you do your work? Why can't you follow through with what you committed to? And you're like, oh, so here's the thing. I actually am crazy sick. You just can't see it. So now I have to justify it to you. Mm. And it's hard. But the more I've shared about the disease online and and the more people have reached out and they're like, oh my God, this is terrible. And you're like, it is. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It gives you that confidence to just be like, you know what? I'm at capacity right now. I have, I mean, there were weeks where I was in the doctor's office 25 to 30 hours and I was still working a full load. I was still producing new episodes every week and you, you humans can't do that. Right. We're just not meant to do that. And it's kind of been a really, I mean, if we're going to look at it, it's coming regardless. I'm not going to mm-hmm. get to like give this gift back, but this new diagnosis and everything that comes with it gives me an out. And I just have to be confident in saying no and not worry that they're going, oh, is she really sick? Yeah. She, she, I mean, she looks pretty good today. It's kind of that, I mean, that's like the joke is like, yeah. but you look great. And you're like, well, thank you. I feel okay. terrible, but. Yeah. Well, it even sounds like it's just an honoring of you knowing that it's really hard for you, like, and, and that being enough. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, things are hard. This is a real challenge. This is really, really tough. And it doesn't need to go the extra mile of trying to convince everybody else of that. Yes. And I also think too, there's something that happens when your life gets taken over by something 
And you become a little self-conscious when people ask you how you are because you're like, well, is this all I'm doing? Is this who I am now? Mm. And it's something that we're working on at home is, you know, like, what needs to be communicated? What can be left on the table? You know, I can't, in order to maintain a healthy relationship, I can't make my boyfriend John be the only person I go to when I'm having a tough day. Mm. He can't carry that, mm. just as I can't carry that. Mm-hmm. And so figuring out what that looks like and, and who you're comfortable opening up to, and I honestly think that that's probably why I've been so vocal about it on social media is because you feel like you're yelling out into the void, but at least people are listening. Yeah. What what are kind of the tools in the toolkit to help like maneuver this? It's a really great question. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting is I was doing so much work prior to this diagnosis and I felt like I was right there. And I think everyone who works with me on the podcast would say the same thing. Like January, we were like really optimistic. Mm-hmm. February, not so much. Mm-hmm. The thing with throwing in anything up against ADHD is that you just have to be on the ball all the time. I cannot skip anything that is set in my routine to help me. So for example, the night before the morning of, Every day, I write out my schedule for the day. I write out my heart appointments. I write out my top three priorities of things I have to get done. And then I put all the other things on my to-do list over to the side so that if there's time, I can get to them. Mm. Having that mapped out has been such a game changer. I've also started to cut out meaningless trips to the store. We get a lot more things delivered. We have a, you know, we'll, we we throw money at having uh, someone do grocery shopping for us. All of those things where I am living and working with my body in control. There are some mornings I'll wake up and my hands will work great and I can get editing done. There are some mornings where I wake up and I can't brush my teeth. My hands are in so much pain and you have to be comfortable pivoting. The problem with that is that stuff still has to get done. And so it's kind of forced me to trust people a little bit more, to be comfortable asking my team to take on things that maybe they aren't ready for. That's also taken me being, you know, a thoughtful leader and, you know, being somebody who doesn't have to be the uh, leader of the group project who does everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brings me back to middle school a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But I would say, you know, just trusting in on what you're doing and what works for you. One thing that I have found that has been such a positive addition to my life, and there's actually websites where you can go and like sign in and do this with another person, is called body doubling. I don't know if you are familiar no. with this at all. No. So, body doubling for the ADHD brain is essentially like, let's say emails are hard for me. Emails are hard for me. They're. Okay. I have more fear and anxiety over emails than anything in life. When I know I am struggling to get a task done that is important, but it's just dragging on, you do body doubling. So like, say for example, I'd say, Brian, 
I have an hour of emails I really need to get done. And you'd be like, oh my God, that's so great. I have an hour of show notes I have been avoiding. Mm -hmm. We sign online. We say, hey, tell me what you want to do. You share it with me. I share it with you. We go, okay, well, let's work for 30 minutes and we'll come back and and double check that we're both on track. And yeah, it does require being honest and, you know, being there and being present. But there's something about working with someone in that capacity, especially when you're both working on something that's hard, that you come back in and I get to shower you with praise Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And we're then given that dopamine of like, oh my God, I did it. We did it. We did it. This is so great. And like I said, so you could do it with a friend. You can do it in person. You can sign on to one of these websites where you just get matched with somebody. There's great resources out there. It is. Yeah. And when you think about it, you're like, oh, that's why people studied together in college. It wasn't because you were feeding off of each other. It's because if you all show up, you're more likely to do what needs to get done. Yeah. Well, and there is such a dopamine hit that comes from completing a task. Oh. I, and, uh, and with yeah. ADHD, ADD, that doesn't happen. Or, or it's harder to sometimes get to that point. Yes, Correct very me if much I'm wrong. so. I'm oh, say something wrong, but no. Okay. Yeah. No. And I mean, obviously, it's different for everyone, but yeah. I mean, there's a reason why they say at the end of the day, write down everything you did. Because if you're one of those people who's only looking at your to-do list, you aren't going to look at it and go, oh, I only got three things off of my to-do list. When in reality, you did your laundry, you took the garbage out, you took the dog for a walk, you did all of those things that are ingrained in you because you do them every day, but they're not on your Mm to-do list. So it's just like being mindful of all of the things we accomplish every single day that aren't front and center. Totally. As we start to kind of wind down here a little bit, I could talk to you all day. I'm curious. This is a deep question. Are you ready for a deep Mm -hmm. question? I love deep questions. What, what story do you want to tell with your life? man, I haven't even opened my mouth and I might start crying. Mm. Um, That is a great question. I think one thing that I'm realizing about myself is I don't necessarily know what I want, but I'm going to keep working until I find it. And Mm. I'm going to keep pushing and... I'm not going to allow myself to settle. There were things I have settled for in the past and I know better now. I know why Mm -hmm. it was easy to make that decision. You know, I joke like I, I was a child of the generation. We were literally told, oh, you can be whatever you want to be. You have to go to a four-year college, but you can be whatever you want to be when you grow up. And here's the thing is like, I took them seriously and I'm still trying to find it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that I don't love what I'm doing right now. But there's so much more out there and there's so many more opportunities. And I think one thing that I just know has held me back my entire life is being afraid of being told no. Mm. And I see people who are doing what I want. And for a really long time, I was bitter and angry and why are they getting it and what are they doing? And then you meet those people and you're like, oh, you asked 
oh, you, oh, you sent that email. Oh, you, you put yourself out there. Mm. I kind of think for so long I was under the impression that people just came to you. And now I'm realizing so much more that we just, for the most part, we create a lot. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's the hardest thing. The hardest thing is putting yourself out there. And no one likes to be rejected. Mm-hmm. And I'm working on getting past my own insecurities about it. And in the meantime, I'm having other people email. <laughs> totally. Totally. You know, like, yeah, I've heard this said some, somewhere where they were like, I'm afraid of emailing people. And I created a fake assistant and her name is Carol and Carol <laughs> sends out all of my emails that I'm afraid to send. Yeah. And then when I'm responding as Carol, it's less taxing on me. Yeah. And I'm, I haven't created a Carol. I've just, you know, hired yeah. a Carol. Yeah. <laughs> so that's our, that's our assignment is all of us need to create a fake assistant yeah. named Carol. Yeah. You immediately look like you are very official very official if you have a one if you have an assistant who's working for you full-time yeah you are official yeah but getting out of our own way is really hard and i think it's just so true you just kind of sometimes follow a path that maybe isn't meant for you and it can be hard to 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 say it out loud i think that's a a big thing Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes too we worry that you know, I've I've said things in front of people I love about wanting a different life or wanting a different career or whatever it might have been, where they take it personally and they they find that as like a, a diss on them. And that's not it by any means of the imagination. I think mm-hmm. one thing we don't talk about enough in life is like at one point we all made a decision to take a certain path. And that doesn't mean that we didn't love the path the other path. We were excited about that other path, but we chose the path that we're on and we can also mourn that. We can be happy where we are and we can go, God, I wish I would have gone out of state for college. It would have been such a different experience. Or I, I wish I would have returned that email on time and I would have gotten that audition, but I was afraid to open my email and life could have been different. Mm -hmm. And it's not a, it doesn't need to be an if, or it, it can be both. Yeah, me the both and. Yeah. Well, I am so grateful that our paths crossed this afternoon together and um and that we had the opportunity to to sit down and, and have this conversation. Um so inspired by you and and just the ways that you're you're showing up and having the courage to sit down in spaces like this and just tell the truth, <laughs> you know, of, of of what's going on. Um and I know that you're I know that you're helping a lot of people out there. Well, thank you. And and right back at you. It's a very uh, scary thing to put yourself out there. Yeah. I know you know that. Yeah. But I also know that you know how important it is. Yeah. And if you're anything like me, you've been told it that people have reached out and have said, Brian, the work you're doing is so important and mm-hmm. you are a light. And I know sometimes it's hard to take that. So mm-hmm. I, I hope that I hope that you just know. I know you do. You. I know you do. Thank you. But I know that sometimes it's it's easy to push that aside because, oh, good old Minnesotans, we don't want yeah. we accolades <laughs> to a point, right? <laughs> and it just, yeah, it just 
leaning in that direction of letting ourselves absorb that a yeah. little bit more. Yeah. You know, and taking it one step at a time. Right. Because it's the ripple effect. Isn't that so true? Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of people say that to me um, since I started sharing my story that you'll never really understand the ripple effects of it. And I, I, I have always thought that's such a powerful thing to hear. And I, and I feel that about every single person who has the courage to just speak into the world what they've experienced, what they've gone through, what they're going through, even if it's messy and confusing and really scary to talk about. Like, you never know the ripple effects. You, I, you just never fully understand what what kind of an impact that can make. You said it earlier, and, you know, it's it's so true is we think what we are going through and how our brains and our bodies work that everyone is having that Mm -hmm. the exact same experience and that couldn't be further from the truth but when you open up and you can share what you're going through or be willing to listen to other people i think it's so powerful and so many dots get connected totally and i think a lot of times too it's not even the Sometimes it's not even the details of what's shared in people's stories. It's just somebody else saying, it's like somebody else raising their hand in a room and being like, this is hard. (laughs) It's like, life is hard right now. And I feel really scared and I feel really overwhelmed and this feels really challenging. I think it's just that, it's that permission that, oh, I'm not the only one. It's that, that permission that life can be messy and it can be hard and we can still show up. Right. To the best of our ability. Well, and because we're wrapping this up that I can lead into this is that on the days when things are really tough, I won't lie. I go back to some of those Real Housewives injection beasting photos Mm -hmm. and just laugh. Yeah. Because it is so ridiculous and out there. And again, I go, I go back to what I said. Whose life is this? Well, it's, it's my life Mm -hmm. and it's new and I'm getting used to it. But you just have to laugh at the stuff you can. It's, yeah. it's really the only way through this, right? Laughter is medicine. Yeah, for it sure. Really, it really can be. Yes. Well, before we take this too much into a, a Minnesota goodbye, um, I'll wrap it up. And just once again, thank you so much. Encourage everybody to, to check out the podcast and, and follow along. And um, thanks for being you. Thank you. I really, I had such a lovely time. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Also, just a reminder that this podcast is not meant to replace work with a therapist. And so if you feel you need it, I encourage you to reach out to a trained mental health professional. All right. We'll talk soon.